Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. Today, we are going to, uh, as we do many times on this show, start with some scripture. And uh, let me just run down what I'd like to get to today. Um, Donald Trump um, just does not go away, correct? Uh, is he starting a third party? Uh, I read an article that he is um, interested in that. Then I read another one he's not. Uh, we'll discuss that. Is he content with just working with uh, Kevin McCarthy and others to win back the House in 2022? Or is he going to do something altogether different? Um, the rumors uh, starting a uh, news network himself. Um, I don't know. With Donald Trump, everything is on the table, so we can discuss that. We will discuss Joe Biden's executive orders. Many of us uh, didn't really take uh, a lot of intellect to uh, predict that he was going to go down a torrid uh, pace um, as far as um, executive orders are concerned, and he has certainly done that, uh, just tearing it up and basically undoing a very large chunk of what Donald Trump um, stood for in the last four years. But that was predictable. You live by the executive order, you die by the executive order. I've said that on countless occasions. A little later in the show, I would like to uh, just continue to uh, educate slash admonish my Christian brothers and sisters that uh, elections do have consequences. As many of you who listen to this show have heard uh, countless times throughout the years, uh, that phenomenon of having your Christian hat on for 48 weeks of the year, taking it off, putting on your political hat for a month, um, not paying attention to the issues of the day, and at least checking them against uh, the word of God, pulling the trigger for some crazy person, and then putting your Christian hat back on after the damage has been done has always been a very frustrating slash puzzling phenomenon for me. And um, it seems to uh, be happening again. And I would... Uh, I would challenge my Christian brothers and sisters who voted for Joe Biden uh, to think of Roe v. Wade and Obamacare and what you have done, uh, basically, and what he is doing and he has vowed to do. And we will discuss that. Uh, all of this, ladies and gentlemen, as I have said numerous times, uh, is, is an absolute moot point to discuss if we do not have a large-scale um, cleansing, if you will, of the election process in the United States of America from dog catcher all the way up to the leader of the free world, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if Republicans, if you want to call them conservative, uh, half of them are not, but if Republicans have a 90 to 10 plurality out there in the countryside, it does not matter if you have just four major cities four right here where we're broadcasting from philadelphia milwaukee detroit and atlanta four cities in the entire planet 
are really at the epicenter of how the leader of the free world gets elected. Is that mind-boggling, ladies and gentlemen? Our system is so corrupt that if those four cities continue to have an iron-fisted stronghold on election corruption or fraud, if you will, then it doesn't really matter how many inroads we make along the countryside and you know, it, it just does not. So that has to be as much as uh, Joe Biden is, you know, scorching his pen with executive orders that are just crazy. And they we should uh, address those and fight those in court, if you will, if they are unconstitutional executive orders, many of which are. We um, We need to fight those. However, it is all secondary as far as I am concerned to cleaning up the election process in this country. And um, Rand Paul has uh, has really embarked on petitioning state legislatures uh, throughout the country to clean up their act and do this. And you really basically do have to start now if you want any degree of chance to have um, elections actually mean something uh, in 2020 and then subsequently in 2024. So um, these are the things that I would like to try to get to today. An hour is uh, tough to do that, but we will try. Let us, as promised, start with scripture. Romans 12.21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, In this day and age, that does not seem to compute at all. Um, The term fight fire with fire seems to be the order of the day. And that's why unless we are evangelizing and bringing people to Christ so they know what the truth is, the ultimate truth, and they go to the word of God, which is their anchor, their foundation, the foundation of this country, if you will, then um, If they do not do that, it really does seem to be quite silly to fight all of the evil that we see day and night with um, with a pea shooter. Uh, And it doesn't really seem to compute where evil people, corrupt people are doing things in such a fast and furious way. As far as big tech is concerned, the blunting of uh, certain forms of information. the crafting and dissemination of uh, Donald Trump like to call it fake news. Um, it, it you know he's, he's largely correct in that assertion, um, and politicians just getting elected uh, under really really questionable um, situations. It, when when we say we're going to fight that one person at a time, one citizen at a time, with good rather than evil, um, doesn't seem to compute. And I know it did not compute with um, the handful of people on January 6th that stormed the Capitol. The Antifa folks and the Black Lives Matter folks were not real concerned with truth, but there were some very deluded people that were quote-unquote not in those two groups that um, really should read Romans 12, 21, a few hundred times to understand that 
the good guys on one side here do not storm the Capitol, do not harm people, do not shoot people, do not um, uh, operate in an anarchistic way. And um, so in the troubled times we live in, Romans 12, 21 is a very good verse to digest and meditate on. Uh, we move on to Proverbs 12, 2. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. Again, if you are not a patient person, if you are not a believer, um, and I would urge you, as I do on each show, to become a follower of Christ, um, this verse doesn't really mean too much to you either. Uh, if you look around, it seems to be the opposite of that evil men and women are making tremendous strides, uh, not only politically, but in, in all areas of life. And a good man out there that just kind of plays by the rules and just chugs along and does the things that God urges him to do seems to be not winning. And you've heard that uh, phrase for years and people echo it all over the place. Good guys finish last. And um not in the kingdom, they don't. And uh, we must focus on God and believe in our hearts that if you are a good man or woman and um, you are playing by the rules and conducting your life and voting for people that legislate or govern in a manner that is consistent with the word of God, if you are doing that, you find favor with the Lord and eventually at some time, um, oftentimes in this world, but sometimes in the afterlife, an evil man uh, of evil devices, uh, the Lord does indeed condemn and uh, does not bless his ways. So when you look around and people seem to be, quote unquote, getting away with it, they're not getting away with anything. And the more steeped in Christ we are and the more we understand the Lord it helps us with our anxiety and our frustration and our fears for our children and our grandchildren. Lastly, 1 John 2.10, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, great verse when you look around. And you want to, as I alluded to earlier, fight fire with fire. Um, do you love Barack Obama? Do you love Joe Biden? Do you love Adam Schiff? Do you love Nancy Pelosi? I'm talking to you Christians out there. You love all these people? You pray for them constantly? Uh, Nancy Pelosi says she prays for us. So um, do we hate these people or do we love these people? Uh, we can love these people without giving a thumbs up to their policies and how they conduct themselves and the chicanery that goes on, particularly in Washington or state capitals throughout the country. Um, we don't have to idly stand by and not fight these things. But at the end of the day, we have to do them with love. We have to attract rather than repel. Because if we don't, then Christians, and to a far lesser extent conservatives, and to a far lesser extent than that Republicans, get branded by the conduct 
the behavior, if you will, of a few individuals, and a lot of times it's more than a few, that do not conduct themselves in a Christ-like manner. And that will indeed become the face of whatever movement you happen to be supporting. So uh, I think these are good scriptures going into uh, what we're going to talk about today. Um, The first one, this article says, Trump has discussed starting a new political party. President Trump has talked in recent days with associates about forming a new political party, according to people familiar with the matter, an effort to exert continued influence after he leaves the White House. Mr. Trump discussed the matter with several aides and other people close to him last week. These people said the president said he would want to call the new party the Patriot Party, Um, not to be confused with some other Patriot parties or similar names that are out there. The American Patriot Party is indeed a party. I don't know how many uh, members it has, but it is indeed a party. Um, There was a uh, party called the uh, the uh, Patriot uh, called the Patriot Party that was a socialist organization in the '60s. So you got to be really careful. Uh, I don't know what he would name it, and I don't know if this is just bloviating on the part of Donald Trump. You never know with Donald Trump. After four years, you still do not know. Um, Is he throwing out trial balloons as he has done um, throughout his political career to invoke uh, a little fear in the Republican establishment that um, unless you continue to take me seriously and not try to malign me, And you want to work with me and support me in 2024 and I'll help you in uh, 2022, then perhaps I will, um, you know, throw a a wrench in everything and start a political party. So um, it says Mr. Trump has feuded in recent days with several Republican leaders, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell who on Tuesday uh, last week or this week said Mr. Trump deserved blame for provoking the deadly January 6th riot at the Capitol. Uh, Lastly here, it says polls show Mr. Trump retains strong support among rank and file GOP voters. Um, So this is floated out there. Um, Next article I have refutes this, but nonetheless, It was a news report. I will tell you, if you are a Trump devotee and you're real excited about this and you hate the Republican establishment as much as I do and many other people do, um, you have to be careful with third parties. Um, The best way to do a third party, and in this country with this structure, it's almost next to impossible compared to other countries around the world. But the best way to do it um, is to do it slowly and methodically. And the party needs to stand for something as a as a party itself. Uh, Am I naive to think that um, getting a uh, Madison Avenue type person or a, a popular person to to be the face of that party is not helpful? Of course it is. But we don't have to go back too far in history, the early 90s, when Ross Perot uh, was pretty much the leader of the Reform Party, 
And that flamed out pretty quickly when Ross Perot flamed out. But at the time, he took almost 20% of the popular vote and really ensured that Bill Clinton was going to swoop in and beat um, George H.W. Bush, which is what happened. Um, I am not one to keep this charade going of Democrat and Democrat light and discouraging anybody from either running or forming a party or voting for somebody other than the the two, you know, popular candidates at the time. Um, I, I, I detest that term that if you vote for somebody, you are de facto, you know, um, forwarding the the eventual um, winner uh, of, of like Hillary Clinton, for example, if you don't vote for Donald Trump and you don't vote for Hillary Clinton while well, you voted for Hillary Clinton, I was never one of that thought process. Um, people that forward that generally like this two party nonsense um, that, that we have now Democrat, Democrat light. And I'm, I'm not for that. However, I will say from a matter of practicality, um, although Ross Perot gained quite a bit of popularity and attention and the Republican Party, at least some in the Republican Party did indeed listen um, to, um, you know, many of the things that Ross Perot echoed. If you, if you looked at it objectively, Ross Perot was much more of a continuation of uh, Ronald Reagan than um, George H.W. Bush was. George H.W. Bush used Ronald Reagan uh, because we could not elect Ronald Reagan to a third term, and that's how he got elected. And it's very unusual for Republicans to win three successive presidential elections, or Democrats for that matter. It just doesn't happen. The country usually switches back for one reason or another, and they did not in... Um, 1988 or excuse me 19 uh, yeah 1988 uh, however um, George H.W. Bush pivoted very very quickly and started that kinder gentler crap which um, his son went on to do 10 years later 12 years later um, it's almost an embarrassment uh, of conservatism and, um, you know, and, and it doesn't work and it didn't work. And he didn't got, get elected in 92. Ross Perot was very popular. And actually, the Reform Party did have a little bit of traction. Um, Jesse the Body Ventura, former wrestler, was elected the governor of Minnesota on the Reform Party ticket. But uh, the Reform Party died pretty quickly and one of the reasons it did is if a if a movement or a party um is largely based on a cult of personality jesse ventura ross perot um donald trump it's not going to last and um does donald trump have probably a, a much greater fighting chance of of forwarding a, a third party than the aforementioned two uh politicians of course he does but donald trump is not going to be around forever and if you want to if you are that discontented if you're a conservative with um the republican party and you'd like to reform that then um then there's a lot of other ways to do that and uh if you are voting for principles that's one thing if you're voting for 
uh, a personality, which I believe personally a lot of people would if Donald Trump softened his views on a myriad of things. Um, I still think there is a very large voting block of Trump devotees that would follow him to the ends of the earth, and that is not healthy. Um, so this article says he's toying around with it. The next article says absolutely not. Um, it This is from the Epoch Times. Some call it the Epic Times. Um, I've heard it both ways. Trump to be actively involved in GOP politics has no third party plans, says former advisor. And this advisor is Corey uh, Lewandowski, who ran his 2016 um, campaign. It says longtime advisor to Donald Trump said the former president will continue to be actively involved in Republican Party politics. The president continues to have enormous support and approval among Republican primary voters. He continues to have hundreds of millions of dollars in his campaign account, which he can utilize, and he will continue to be actively involved in recruiting candidates and holding elected officials accountable for their votes. Corey Lewandowski, a former Trump campaign manager, said Lewandowski, who managed Trump's 2016 presidential campaign, said Trump won't form a separate party after there were rumors and reports saying he might start his own Patriot Party. Uh, Lewandowski goes on to say, I don't think the president has any interest in being part of a third party. Trump's political team disavowed any affiliation with a newly formed political committee called the MAGA Patriot Party. We are not supportive of this effort, have nothing to do with it, and only know about it through public reporting, campaign advisor Jason Miller told the Epoch Times. However, Lewandowski said the former president would be involved in supporting primary challenges against the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump earlier this month. Um, I would be quaking in my boots if I were those 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump. Um, He's a very popular figure today. He continues to be popular and, and in my estimation will continue as long as he has youth and vigor and desire um, to be uh, probably the greatest force in the Republican Party in the next four years. Uh, the article goes on to say they will get primary challenges, in my opinion, Lewandowski said. I don't know at what level the president is going to weigh in on each of these races, but I think he will be involved in a number of them. And particularly... And we uh, we have her in many of our articles here today. Among them is Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, a member of the House GOP leadership who is receiving a primary challenge for her seat in 2022 uh, from Wyoming State Senator Anthony Bouchard, a Republican who filed a statement of candidacy earlier in the month of January. Wyoming was President Trump's best state both times he ran. That's because Wyoming voters are strong conservatives who want our leaders to stand up for America, defend our freedoms, fight for our way of life, and always put working people first, as President Trump did, Bouchard said in a statement on January 20th. 
We are going to see how much influence the president wants to exert going forward, Lewandowski told Fox in his interview. And I don't think anybody knows that yet. Uh, Article concludes saying polling shows that Trump remains very popular with Republicans, even as members of his party made critical comments following the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol. Um, Wawa coffee break here. Thank you for indulging me. So, um, one article says he is going to form a third party. Another one refutes that. I think Donald Trump always likes to leave you guessing, and that's where he is leaving individuals. Um, This is the most recent of these three articles. Um, It says, Trump team touts good and cordial meeting with Representative Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Former President Donald Trump held a meeting with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy on Thursday, that would be January 28th, in Florida, said Trump's team in a statement, while including a photo of him and the GOP leader. The two had a good and cordial meeting at Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm uh, Beach, said Trump. said the Trump's Save America PAC. The pair discussed several topics, but the number one priority was taking back the House. Uh, For Republicans in 2022 midterms, Trump team said they did not elaborate on a strategy or what candidates to promote. Trump's popularity has never been stronger than it is today, said the statement, and his endorsement means more than perhaps any endorsement at any time. Trump now will work with Kevin McCarthy on boosting the GOP in House races. Uh, McCarthy and Trump worked very well together in the last election, picked up 15 seats when most predicted that the opposite would happen. And I know a lot of Democrats, particularly the squad and other radical Democrats, were very upset with Nancy Pelosi. Um, she is a push me, pull you doll. Um, there's really no way she can win. Uh, that is not all that surprising that Republicans picked up that many seats, but it was not, um, taken very well by the left in her party. And I am sure that, um, they're fearful that Donald Trump will, uh, be a very strong influence on, at least 15 of those potential um, districts where Republicans could flip it and probably more. There are upwards of of 30 uh, to 40 that are always in play in districts where um, Donald Trump did indeed win and they were razor close between the Democrat and the Republican. But then again, we go back to election um, chicanery. Uh, I don't I don't care how popular Donald Trump is. And in 2022, I don't care how unpopular Joe Biden or the Democrat Party are in those particular districts. If they are districts um, that are corruptible, if you will, then we have problems and we need to address that first and foremost. But um, McCarthy touted a united conservative movement with Trump to stop the radical Democrat agenda. 
Uh, again, we're going to speak of Liz Cheney here. It said over their political relationship, Trump and McCarthy rarely butted heads and McCarthy did not support the second house impeachment effort against Trump. 10 Republicans, including representative Liz Cheney, a member of the Republican leadership voted to impeach the former president. Um, now on the one hand, if you looked at those articles of impeachment and voted to impeach Donald Trump, you you really could not do it on the merits of any case that someone put before you. Uh, to understand Liz Cheney and her decisions, it really is not too complicated. Um, Donald Trump, uh, during the 2015-2016 march to the White House, uh, it was a huge field of Republican uh, wannabes. Um, none the least of which Jeb Bush and Donald Trump, in my opinion, acted quite unprofessional to uh, to Jeb Bush. Um, didn't really seem to matter to Trump devotees or Republicans in general. Uh, however, um, people, uh, the old establishment, the Bush family, who has far-reaching um, connections, um, Cheney family being one of them. Um, he was George W. Bush's vice president for eight years. The Bushes and the Cheneys pretty much uh, joined at the hip. Um, I thought Dick Cheney was more conservative, if you will, than um, than George W. Bush. However, um, you know, alliances run pretty deep. And the fact that Donald Trump was extraordinarily disrespectful to the Bush family in, in a myriad of ways is not to be discounted. And um, heretofore, Liz Cheney was was pretty um, solid with a lot of things, perhaps before the Trump era um, and an up and coming um, force in the Republican Party. Um Attractive females in the Republican Party that are very conservative uh, are, are usually uh, very, very attractive candidates just about anywhere you are. But um, when the uh, the Bush family was was pretty much assailed um, on, a, on a weekly basis by Donald Trump, then I think um, blood's thicker than water. Right. And they're not they're not blood, but they may be political blood. So. Um, I think Liz Cheney at that point had no uh, alternative than to be uh, in the camp of people that were concerned with Donald Trump. I, I never like to use the term never Trumper because I think it's a, a very misleading term. It does encompass many, many uh, people that have legitimate uh, beefs with Donald Trump and it throws them in with a bunch of people that have really frivolous beefs with Donald Trump and it puts them all in a nice little stew that we call never Trumpers. So I, I try not to use that term, but uh, Liz Cheney really had no choice but to pick sides when Donald Trump went down that road of really insulting the Bush family. And so this is what we have here. Um, do I feel that she should retain her seat? Not even close. I think this guy, I don't know anything about him. Um, Mr. Bouchard, but I think um, he'll he'll win easily uh, if Donald Trump spends any amount of time in Wyoming supporting him. So um, 
It said on Thursday, Matt Getz, Republican of Florida, an ally of Trump, is scheduled to hold a rally in Cheyenne, Wyoming, in a bid to oust Cheney from her leadership role. So she is a leader right now in the Republican Party, and many conservatives want to strip her of that. Republicans in the House are slated next week to vote on whether to strip Cheney of her House leadership position. It was something that I did with a heavy heart, but I did with a real understanding of the seriousness and the gravity of the moment, Cheney said the day of the vote to impeach Trump. My oath to the Constitution is one I can't walk away from, is one I can't violate. Now, that's a ridiculous statement. The Constitution has nothing to do with um, with this uh, latest impeachment vote. The, the guy who had uh, one foot out the door, he is out the door now. This whole removal of office thing after he's been impeached again is is quite ridiculous and that's why you really never hear me talk about it because it just it really it doesn't deserve any discussion so um Liz Cheney referring to her constitutional oath is um she's i I think you know I'm I'm not a prognosticator but I think she's toast but Republican State Senator Anthony Bouchard, a gun rights activist, said he would challenge Cheney. Some Trump allies and family members, including Eric Trump, have said they would move to challenge the Republicans who impeached the former president. The swamp was after me, Bouchard said, reporting uh, to the Associated Press. I just don't think that works anymore in Wyoming. I think people have figured it out. And I think in a state like Wyoming, um, he's pretty safe in saying that in a state like Pennsylvania and some other places, not so much. So we move on to um, executive orders. We have discussed this um, many times on this show. Uh, again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm dancing back and forth in um being critical of Donald Trump, um, and I, I may wade into that a little bit right now. Uh, you live by the executive order, you die by the executive order. And um, I pose the rhetorical question to many. I never get a real good answer on this one, but um, I have said this for years. When did executive orders um, become conservative? They are not. Are they constitutional? Of course they are. Um, and we as conservatives, if you are a conservative out there, we we do more or less have to hold our nose and put up with um, uh, presidents uh, who uh, sign executive orders left, right, and crazy, uh, regardless of what party they come from. And if it happens to benefit us, I'm not doing any cartwheels because as I've stated before, in a very short period of time, all of these good things that Donald Trump has written into uh, um, into being with his executive orders, with his pen, if you will, are, are missed now with uh, Joe Biden with a record 22 executive orders in his first week. That is incredible. But they um, they are distant. They are in the rearview mirror. And that is not how conservatives operate. Um, and uh, this article is very telling. It says Biden signs more executive orders despite claims he once said that they were for dictators. And he is correct. Um, more kings, uh, if you want to be technical, than dictators. But I agree. And um, 
the numbers are, are pretty staggering. Um, and he signed 22 executive orders in the first week. In contrast, former President Donald Trump frequently criticized by Democrats for his reliance on presidential powers issued four. Barack Obama signed five and George W. Bush zero in the first week. Now, that does not mean that um, those other three presidents did not utilize um, their ability to sign executive orders, but certainly the torrid pace that Joe Biden is on is to be of concern. Um, Now that he is in power, the article uh, continues, things look a lot different from that original statement that um, President Biden made, uh, which says executive orders um, are, are, you know, not the way to go unless you are a dictator. Um, In his first eight days, he signed 24 orders as well as nine memorandums four proclamations on everything from mandated mask wearing on federal property to rejoining the Paris Climate Accords. The result is a slew of accusations of hypocrisy and presidential overreach, while even allies worry this unilateral approach is undermining his claims to be a consensus builder. If you voted for Don or if you voted for Joe Biden, you don't really care about consensus building um, for the most part. Maybe you do if you're ignorant and you don't understand politics, but by and large, nobody in in uh, Joe Biden's base or the Democrat base really cares about consensus building. Republican strategist John uh, Fiery, I'm mispronouncing his name, said many of the executive orders were designed to placate the left wing of his party. It is hypocrisy, and the sad thing is that hypocrisy has become the coin of the realm, says this Republican strategist. No one believes anything anyone says anymore. This is why people hate politicians. Um, I highlighted that sentence. No one believes anything anyone says anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, if we live in a world where no one believes anything anyone says anymore, regardless of political persuasion, or if you're a Fox News devotee, or a Newsmax devotee, or a CNN devotee, we are in a whole lot of trouble. And this is one of many practical uh, positives that come from becoming a born-again Christian, believing in the Word of God, going to the Word of God. Um, the Word of God speaks to every single issue that the United States of America and the world is facing today, every one of them, not a single one. It does not in one way or another. And to be grounded and steeped in something that is true and unwavering and foundational in a time where this gentleman's statement is absolutely spot on. No one believes anything anyone says anymore because you simply cannot. Um that is a pretty good byproduct of becoming a Christian. And um, I, I wouldn't become a Christian just for that. But as a result of your decision to follow Jesus Christ and grow in Christ, he will reveal things to you. Your street smarts, if you will, if you rely on the Holy Spirit, will become keen over the course of time. And you will discern truth from um, lies. Uh, 
it says Biden made it clear his concern about the use of executive orders during an ABC News town hall in October. Uh, He told George Stephanopoulos that Republicans and Democrats had suggested to him that he would use presidential powers to force through policies if he could not garner votes to steer legislation through Congress. Um, Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. He said, we are a democracy. We need consensus. We are not a democracy and we do not need consensus. So that is a false statement. We are a representative republic and um, we are in a whole lot of hurt if we operate on consensus. Um, Politicians that moisten their fingers, see which way the wind is blowing and uh, lead according to how their constituents ever changing emotions are, are reacting is indeed not leadership and that is mob rule and that's not what we're about in the united states of america um you know it it, it's um let me just say this about uh, executive orders and um why they are problematic and you don't have to go too far and we have an article on the affordable care act in a minute here um I'll conclude with this. The article says on Thursday, Biden added to his tally using the presidential powers to reopen enrollment to the health insurance under the Affordable Care Act and strengthen Medicaid. Um, Why would something that, albeit rammed through Congress in a very, very unconstitutional way several years ago, why would something as, as wrought with problems and corruption and political craziness as the Affordable Care Act, why is it still breathing? Why is it not dead? There's a very simple reason to that. Now, how this um, Affordable Care Act became law and moved its way through Congress is is five shows we could do on that. But I can assure you, because I, I was on the radio when when we were going through this um it was done with all sorts of uh political maneuvering and wrangling and unconstitutional um machinations that would make your head spin but democrats drug it across the finish line and barack obama signed it into law and it is indeed law so i i guess my point is something that was was um so wrong so terrible so unconstitutional and we, we you know we we can go down that road where we relied on the supreme court to do what our legislature should have done and they did not they punted uh john roberts let the whole country down with his ruling on this but why is it still around ladies and gentlemen there is a reason it's still around because it's a law it's not an executive order and all the wonderful things that you guys loved about donald trump through the last four years they are missed now many of them missed they're gone they're in the rearview mirror why because they were done by the stroke of a pen instead of um donald trump working together with legislators now it, it's not entirely donald trump's fault or any personality defect 
Um, there were enough forces in Congress uh, that were against him that made it extraordinarily difficult to uh, gain legislative victories. But we don't have to go back that far in time. Ronald Reagan was hated by Democrats and those on the left, but he got a lot of legislative stuff done um, for a whole host of reasons. So that's what I'm saying. Nature abhors a vacuum. If we have a Supreme Court that all you quasi-conservatives seem to love that now has a six, three or a five and a half, four and a half uh, plurality of uh, strict constructionists. If you think that they are supposed to be legislating and if you think that Joe Biden or Donald Trump is supposed to be legislating from the executive branch, well, they are for one simple reason. Nature pours a vacuum. And if Congress is so dysfunctional that they are not legislating, then the legislative slack, if you will, will be picked up by um, another branch of government. And that's why you see activist um, craziness in the courts. And that's why you see uh, presidents operating like kings, because it's a fast moving, fast paced world. And if we, uh, and it's not designed to be that way in this country, um, the, uh, the Congress is supposed to function in a very slow, particularly slow in the Senate, deliberative way in order to um, craft legislation, debate legislation, and um, tweak it and make it um, something that is palatable for all of us or all in our best interest. And that is simply not happening these days. We're wasting time impeaching people for phone calls. And so Congress does not work properly. And if Congress does not work properly, then these other branches of government will just swoop in and kind of do what they're doing. So, and if you, if you need a perfect example of that, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act is still breathing and it should not be. And many of Donald Trump's edicts are not breathing. They are DOA. Okay. So, um, Next article, again, um, and this goes in the category of, uh, as the show is winding down here, admonishing my brothers and sisters in Christ, many of which um, are in this ever-growing Christian left or this social justice left. Um, Elections mean things. And I am sad to say I have family members and friends and co-workers and confidants that are born again and they are pro-life and they gleefully pulled the trigger for Donald or excuse me, uh, Joe Biden, because they had a whole laundry list of problems with Donald Trump. So um, this article says on another dark anniversary of Roe v. Wade, um, pro-life Uh, causes uh, face uneasy future with Joe Biden. And um, this article from the Washington Examiner says, despite his many faults, former President Donald Trump was an important ally of the pro-life movement. But as Roe v. Wade reaches another dark anniversary, the cause of protecting human life faces a difficult future. 
the new administration is arguably the most radically pro-abortion government ever. President Biden is already working hard to roll back many of the administration, uh, excuse me, administrative policies the Trump administration passed to protect the unborn. Biden is expected to reverse the Mexico City policy within weeks. For those of you that don't know what that is, we will um, we will define what that is. Um, this means that the United States will once again finance international groups that provide or promote abortions. His administration also plans to crack down on employers who decline to provide contraceptive coverage to their workers and to reinstate Title X funding for Planned Parenthood and other abortion centers, which Trump had withdrawn. So Trump was very staunchly pro-life. Um, he said uh, Planned Parenthood is not going to get these funds. Um, this Mexico City policy um, uh, clearly states uh, that the United States, you and I, the taxpayer, will not finance international groups that provide and promote abortions. And, and we're not going to digress too much, but you would be surprised, ladies and gentlemen, many of the um, uh, entities, if you will, um, that you and I uh, donate money to. Uh, hopefully not me. I've done enough research. But um, you would be surprised how many entities out there that are quote-unquote good uh, fund abortion and sterilization, forced sterilization globally. It's really pretty chilling. You got to do your homework, but I digress. Um, this is the uh, This is the paragraph that disturbs me, and this is the stuff that the uh, social justice left or born-again Christians who say they're Democrats rather than Republicans. This is the paragraph that I would like you to listen to and I would like you to digest. It said, when asked on Wednesday whether Biden would work with congressional Democrats to repeal the Hyde Amendment, and the Hyde Amendment is a statute that prohibits the federal government from using taxpayer dollars to fund abortion, Press Secretary Jen uh, Psaki played coy, saying, I think we'll have more to say about the Mexico City policy in the coming days. That is a press secretary's way of kicking the can down the road. Now, here's the let's throw the dogs off the, off the scent comment that seems to work with a lot of social justice leftists or you know, born again people that, you know, don't seem to take this abortion thing as seriously as they should. The press secretary goes on to say that Joe Biden is a devout Catholic and someone who attends church regularly. He started his day attending church with his family this morning, but I don't have anything more for you on that because I just use God and I just use the church as much as I could to obfuscate and take the dogs off the set. That last sentence was mine. That wasn't in the article. So you understand, ladies and gentlemen, when the rubber meets the road, when reality kicks in, when the dust settles, when social justice leftists and evangelicals and, and, and whoever, for whatever reason, pull the trigger for a pro-abortion party and a pro-abortion candidate, it may seem rather 
benign. It should not, but it may seem that way. But when the dust settles and Joe Biden finds his way to his desk to start torching up the executive orders and, and trying to work hard to change policy that protects little babies, do you understand what happens here when when some um, thoughtful reporter asks this um, uh, Biden's press secretary this question? Are, are you going to repeal the Hyde Amendment? What are you going to do with these entities, these foreign entities that promote abortion? Are, are our taxpayers going to our dollars going to go to fund these these organizations? What does she do? She drops the C word. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Before we get into the details of all that, did I tell you Joe Biden's a Catholic and somebody who attends church regularly? Um, okay. That statement right there basically says, um, here's what I'm going to say. There's millions of morons out there that don't understand that one president was pro-life, the next one is profoundly pro-choice, and his vice presidential um, running mate was even more uh, pro-choice. And when you want to sniff around uh, on the details and ask questions about amending the Hyde Act or um, uh, or repealing the Hyde Amendment, I should say, or this Mexico City uh, policy, I think I'll drop the C word and, I'll, and the other C word too, church. You know, maybe it's a, a triple header, Catholic, church, and Christ. Maybe we could, I don't know. They, they might not be so bold to throw Jesus's name in there, although they do quite regularly. Um when it gets a little too close, when the reality is it will be easier to kill babies um, with uh, an administration um, that we have now, we're going to throw out the C word. We're going to throw out the, he's a devout Catholic. Did, did you know that? And, and he goes to church regularly. So, did, you know, I'll, uh, I don't have anything more to say about that, but eh, that's basically my answer. That's a that's that's stupid. That's a non-answer. That's not talking about the issue. Is the guy pro-life or pro-choice, or is he going to work with pro-life um, legislators to try to come up with compromises, or is he going to go full throttle to placate his radical leftist base and um, repeal the Hyde Amendment and and um, and just urinate on the Mexico City policy um, that Donald Trump supported and other Republicans have supported. Now, this may be a little too far in the weeds for a lot of you, um, you know, social leftists that that voted for this guy. But if you care about abortion, I, I contend these are not really uh, difficult concepts to grasp. One guy is pro-life. The other guy is pro-choice. You pull the trigger for the pro-choice guy and this is what we get. And if you feel, I, I don't know, this this um, press secretary, I don't really know who she's talking to when she drops the he's a devout Catholic shtick or he goes to church regularly. Did I tell you that? Um, I don't know who she's talking to. But if, but if those two little um, irrelevant factoids are thrown out there to allay any guilt that you may have um, uh, because you voted for this guy, I, I think you should check yourself. And I think you should go to the Word of God and see what it says about abortion. So um, I think that's a uh, maudlin way, but a good way to end the show today. Um, this is Kerf Llewellyn, Reshaping America. Until next week, have a great day.